Thank you so much, Kylan, for just the special message of song. She graduated this Thursday and looking forward to what God's going to do in her life. Uh, think about those words, his life from mine, and what a, what a time a year as we think about Memorial Day and all the men and women that are giving their lives for our freedom. I hope uh, next few days that we can just kind of focus. You know, with so much going on in the world today, uh, we're not focusing on what's important. So I hope you'll focus upon those who have made sacrifices uh, for us that we could have the freedom today. And then think about what Christ has done to make us free for eternity. And I hope you'll focus on that. It's all about service and service it's just serving our great and wonderful God. So I hope you'll uh, take some time to be able to focus on both uh, here this uh, Memorial Day weekend. Good to have the Johnsons here as well. Uh, Leland and Naomi, we've been praying for you, pray for you daily. Good to have Leland and Naomi here and their children and our own missionaries. We thank God for uh, what he's doing uh, in their lives. And you continue to pray that God will certainly work in a special way. 2 Timothy chapter 4, you should be there, and I want you to uh, hear, we'll read this, have a word of prayer, but when I pray, you pray for me, and then I'll sit back. I want you to listen, listen uh, here today as I'm going to share something that's been on my heart for a few, uh, few weeks here now that God will certainly help us uh, as we think about him and all that he's done for us. 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 4, I'd like to begin reading in verse number 9. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse number 9. Do thy diligence to come shortly unto me, for Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and is departed to Thessalonica, Crescens to Galatia, Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Our Father, we thank you so much for your sacrifice for us. We cannot help but think about you giving your life for us. We think about this Memorial Day and then we focus on men and women who've given their lives for our freedom. I pray these next few moments as we preach the Word of God, we'll focus on you and think about the importance of our service to thee, to our great God. There's, uh, if we did all that we could muster up from a human point of view, it would be nothing compared to what you've given for each of us. I pray that you'll deal with every heart in a very special way, starting with me. I need you, first of all, to cleanse me of any sin. Empty me of self. Then I pray you'll fill me with your spirit. There's so much that could be said. And I pray that you'd help me to say all that needs to be said. So you work in a special way. You get the honor and glory from all that is said today. Now if there be a man, woman, young person, who's never experienced the grace of God and salvation, I pray you'll save that soul today. But stir the hearts of your people. They're men, women, boys and girls who've come here today because they love you and they appreciate what you've done. I pray you'll just refresh us in a special way that we'll be more committed than ever to serve our great God. Now you've 
blessed in a very special way. We ask you these things in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. It is believed that when the Apostle Paul, the great missionary church planter, wrote this epistle, he's in his second imprisonment. In other words, he is at the point where he's about to be martyred for simply serving Almighty God. In other words, he, it's not that he was a bad person or did anything else, but just for serving God, he's about to be martyred. He's an old man now. I'm beginning to understand a little bit about getting to be an old man. So he's an old man in prison. I'm an old man that's not in prison. Thank God for that. But here he is in prison and nobody's around, not a lot of people. I mean, Paul was used to having people around him. He's the greatest servant you'll find in the Bible. He was always surrounded by men and women who helped him to accomplish what he did. And by the way, let me say this very early in the message. A church or a pastor or, or leader uh, is never what he needs to be or what the church needs to be unless there's some folks helping to get the job done. That's what Crossroads Baptist Church uh, is today. So Paul here, in the book of Romans, uh, he mentions here in chapter number 16 some 25 men and women who had faithfully stood with him when he served Almighty God. During his final days, he's about to end this ministry. It's all coming to an end. He's thinking and he's focusing on those people that worked with him. Three of the folks he mentioned throughout his writings, we find the names Demas, Mark, and Luke. And when you look at these three men, throughout the Bible you'll find that Paul now focusing on service, and they crossed his mind at the end of his life. Oh, how his heart must have longed for that companionship that he had once experienced. And as he thought of these three men, each single one of them brought a thought to his heart and a thought to his mind because each one of them had served with him faithfully but had gone a different direction. And so as he focuses in his last days, he focuses on not just the beginning, but he had to focus on the end. When I look at these names, Demas and Mark and Luke, I find that what Paul thought about in his last days is simply what we think about today. Thank God that there are men, women, boys, and girls in Bible-believing churches like Crossroads that are still doing what Demas did and Mark did and Luke did. Now, as I said earlier, I'm not in prison, but I can't deny that I'm getting older. And I begin to think, and I do a lot of thinking these days, 
And I'm going to tell you something. I believe today in every local New Testament church, any place, you're going to find a portrait of service that's like what Demas did. You're going to find a portrait of service that served like Mark did. You're going to find, thank God, a portrait of service of men, women that served like Luke did. So I want you to sit back for a few moments. You know, as a preacher, one of the things about preaching this message, I know without a doubt before I preach it, I'm going to hit everybody. Every once in a while you preach the word of God and you know that you don't hit some people, but I know today without a doubt Somewhere in here, there's a Demas. Somewhere in here, there's a Mark. Somewhere in here, there's a Luke. And I want you to find your place. You may not even understand where you are. You may even deny where you are. But I'm going to tell you based on experience and exposure in every church today there are still men women that serve like Demas like Mark like Luke and I want you to find your place here because I'm going to describe I'm going to paint a portrait of service today you know I'm still a firm believer that the God who gave his life for me I still believe the day God help me until uh, you, uh, you come back or take us home. Help us to be the point that we give it all. We serve you. And when the pastor or an older person who lived long enough begins to focus, do they focus on my service like Davis, like Mark? Or is it like Luke? I'm glad you asked because I'm going to describe. Think about me right for a few moments as being a painter, a sculpture. I'm going to paint service like what each of these men had. And I want you to find yourself. The first one is a man by the name of Demas. In verse 10, it says, For Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world, and departed unto Thessalonica. Now, I could just preach on Demas, but you'd forget Demas. So I'm going to give him a title, and you'll remember. I think he's the kind of servant that I would call a renegade servant. So, oh, that's a horrible word. No, He's a, he's a renegade servant. Now let's paint a picture of what a renegade is. I want you to notice, first of all, his position. He had a very respectable position when he served with the greatest man outside of Jesus in the Bible. He's mentioned in a couple of, of Paul's books, Colossians 4.14 and Philemon 24. 
In Colossians 4.14, it said here, Demas, my beloved, no, it says Luke, the beloved physician, and Demas greet you. So when he wrote that, he was writing about them serving together, and Demas is mentioned in a very respectable position. Now, what, what do you think about his position? Here's what I think Demas did. I think Demas was a worshiper of Christ. How I many when you walk with the Apostle Paul, you had to love Jesus? And I believe Demas worshiped Christ. I believe every time the Apostle Paul was starting a church, I believe Demas worked hard in the church. I believe Demas was a man who witnessed to other people courageously. I believe Demas was a man who walked after the things of God consistently. He was in a respectable position in the church. Now let me tell you something. There are men, women, boys and girls that are sitting here right now that worship Christ. Walk consistently. Witness courageously. And worship Christ in a sincere spiritual way. So, even though I'm calling him a renegade, at least for the first part, you'd have to say, all of us are renegades. You agree with that? All of us worship Christ. Amen? Amen. All of us, or should be, witness courageously. All of us walk consistently. All of us, or most of us, work in the church. So right now, Demas started out in a very respectable position. But it had a very regretful problem. Look at the rest of the verse. But Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. He had a problem. But, 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 but Demas loves Christ. Demas witness. Demas works. Demas walks. That's a great position to have in the work of God. But along with that, he had a problem. Here's his problem. He loved the world. He just couldn't get the world out of him. He had one foot in the church and one foot in the world. Now I won't ask if we have any folks like that today. Because this is crossroads, fundamental, Bible-believing, independent, separated church. Oh yeah, we got a lot of worshipers. And we got people that witness. And we got people that work. We got people that walk. But don't you come here talking about this problem of loving the world. We don't have no folks like that in here. 
So his problem was he loved the world and couldn't turn it loose. And you know what happens when you love the world? The next thing he did, because he loved the world, he left the work for Demas hath forsaken me. This is what the most spiritual man in the Bible is saying. A man who worshiped with me, walked with me, witnessed with me, worked with me, came a point in his time he couldn't turn loose the world and he left the work and departed to Thessalonica. He's looking for wealth, something he can find that will match up with his worship and match up with his love for the world. And he couldn't find it. And by the way, I've lived long enough, watched long enough to see people who start out in a respectful position but have a problem of so loving the world that no matter how much you preach, no matter what you say, if you love the world enough, you will eventually leave the work. Either we forsake Christ because we love the world or we forsake the world because we love Christ. And the price he paid was simply this. He had a ruined testimony that we're still preaching about today. Now, that's the hardest one, Demas. I wish I could say from the bottom of my heart that I can scan this whole auditorium that I preached in churches all over the world. I don't think I've ever preached in one that didn't have a Demas. I preached in one who didn't know there was a Demas in it. There's a whole lot of people, a whole lot of worshipers, a whole lot of witnessing, a whole lot of workers end up like Demas. You know your prayer ought to be today? God, I love you too much to ever be like Demas, where my love for the world will cause me to walk away from the work of God and ruin my testimony. Demas hath forsaken me. He's a renegade. You know the problem with renegades? They stay renegades. If it doesn't make any difference where they go, they're going to still have the same problem. If you don't turn loose the world, you'll turn loose the church. You'll turn loose and you'll justify trying to find something that match what you are rather than being what God wants us to be. Demas was a renegade. Look at verse number 11. He said, only Luke is with me. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable to me for the ministry. Now Mark was a little bit different than Demas. But he had some similarities. I called him a runaway servant. Demas was a renegade. He ran away and kept running. But John Mark started out kind of like Demas. They worked together for a long time. And I want you to notice he started out being resourceful. In Acts 12, we find that 
when Paul was going on his first missionary journey, they had prayer meeting at John Mark's mother's house, and John Mark was there. I mean, if you got prayer meeting at, at your house, you must be want to do something right. He started out prayer meeting. In verse 25 of Acts chapter 12, when Paul went on his first missionary journey, guess who he took with him? Mark. He took Mark with him. Hold your finger here and turn, if you would, back to Acts chapter 15 for just a moment. Acts 15, verse number 37. And Barnabas determined to take with, take, and, and Barnabas determined to take with them John Mark, whose surname was Mark. John, whose surname was Mark. But Paul thought not good to take him with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, and went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from another, and Boniface took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul took Silas and departed. We find here he starts out resourceful. He goes on the first missionary journey. He has prayer meeting in his house. I mean, he's all about serving God. But on the second missionary journey, something happened. He went from being resourceful to being rebellious. Well, the Bible doesn't tell us all that happened, but the great apostle Paul, something happened to make somebody who was so resourceful all of a sudden on the second missionary journey. Let me just kind of think a little bit. Maybe the second one got a little harder than the first one. You see, on the first one, they were kind of like on familiar territory. But on the second time, it got a little tougher, and it went a different direction. Kind of reminds me of what it's like when we start out serving God. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I just got saved. Heaven's my home. Got some people rebel against baptism. But some people rebel against giving. Some people rebel when all of a sudden, like I did when I first got saved, I went to church on the Sunday morning. My mama told me I need to go back Sunday night. I said, huh? Huh? Then all of a sudden you said I had to go on Wednesday night. Huh? Prayer meeting? I didn't go to first few prayer meetings they had at church. I was playing baseball. I was a center fielder and a pretty good one. Hit home runs. We had a championship game out there, and I'm the center fielder out there, and all of a sudden, playing at night on a Wednesday night, the ball come, coming to me, and all of a sudden, I dropped it. The next time we got out there again, the ball coming to me, I mean, this great, I used to run and catch it on the fly, had a good strong arm, dropped two balls, we lost the game. Guess where I was the next Wednesday night? I was in church, in prayer meeting. Didn't even know how to pray. I, I, I wrote down my prayer before I went there. That, and I heard all these men praying. I didn't know how to pray. So I wrote out a prayer. And got ready to pray and forgot everything I wrote out. 
Sometimes we think, yeah, it's easy when it just gets saved, but all of a sudden I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to look right, act right, go to church, I got to stop this, stop that, and all of a sudden it gets too hard for me, and I rebel and run away. John Mark started out resourceful. Then there was a little rebellion. But the exciting thing about that, it didn't stop there. Back in our text in Titus, I want you to notice, I mean in, in uh, Timothy, notice what Paul, keep in mind, this was the same man that said, we're not going to take him. Now years later, he must have heard something about Mark. Because it says here in verse number 11, only Luke is with me. Take Mark. And bring him with thee. Notice this. For he is profitable to me for the ministry. That means something to me. You know what that tells me? The Holy Spirit of God is recording here for us to see that someone who starts out resourceful, becomes rebellious, run away, there's restoration. He came back. He came back. And Paul now at this crucial time saying he's profitable for the ministry. I've been around long enough where I've seen runaways. And it seems like these days we have a whole bunch of runaways that are coming back and being restored and getting right. All of a sudden they realize, you know what? It's good serving God. All of a sudden they don't mind uh, 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 turning around, realizing something. There's something good about being in church. There's something even good about this church. When they come back, they're restored and resourceful like maybe even better than before. Thank God that runaways can come back and we see God restores and they serve God sometimes even better than before. You say, well, I'm not a renegade, but I've been close to being a runaway. Or maybe you can say, I've been a runaway and I got returned and now I'm resourceful again. I don't know. But I know one thing, this God's worth runaways coming back and serving God. Now, the third one is my favorite. He's the one I pray for, ask God to help me to be like. I'm not a renegade, all right? I might have been close in the earlier years, but I'm not a renegade. In 47 years, I haven't run away. I love the church. I love God. I love Christianity. I love the people of God. And I have no intentions of running away. But I sure like to be like Luke. I call Luke the reliable servant. He says, only Luke is with me. You know what Paul is? He's in jail. He's about to be, be beheaded. That didn't bother Luke. 
Somewhere along the line, Luke realized this thing called Christianity, this thing called serving God is something worth even giving my life for. Only Luke is with me. What made Luke different? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look back, if you would, in the book of Acts, where we were, chapter 16. Acts chapter 16. Luke is the writer of the Gospel of Luke, also the writer of the Acts of the Apostle. As he writes this story in chapter 16, he's telling about the Macedonian vision that the Apostle Paul had. We'll pick it up in verse number 7. After they were come to Mysia, they essayed. I want you to notice the, the program. He's writing here. They essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered or allowed them not. Now, verse 7, he talks about they. He uses the word them. All right? He's writing what took place. They, them, went here. Verse 8. And they, passing by Mysia, came down the Troas. And then something happened. The Macedonian call took place. And a vision appeared to Paul. In the night, there stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Now, verse number 10. And after he had seen the vision, immediately, not they, not them, we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly that the Lord had called, not them, not they, us, for the preach the gospel. You know why Luke was there at the end? He started strong. Let me tell you something. We have a lot of Christian people today that start strong. Love for the world, a love something else, causes them to have a problem. He started strong. Go to Acts chapter 27, just a few pages over. He not only started strong, but we find in Acts chapter 27, and I want you to notice, Luke's still writing, and when it was determined that we Paul now is in a storm. We should sail. Verse number two at the end, with us. Verse number three, we touched. Verse number four, we had launched. Launched. Verse number five, we had sailed over. Verse number six at the end, us therein. Verse number seven, we had sailed. In the latter part of verse seven, we sailed. Down at verse number 15, we let her drive. Uh, verse number 18, we being exceedingly. Uh, then I want you to go over and look at verse 37. And we were all in the ship. Here the Apostle Paul, now in a storm. But guess who's still there? Luke not only started strong, but he stayed with it even in the storm. 
because he was a steadfast Christian that believed. I started this with salvation. I've had some storms along the way, but I stayed with it. And I am steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the Lord because the one I sing about, the one I preach about, the one I pray in his name is the kind of God that nothing in the world, no job, no career, no relationship, anything could ever pull me away from God. Yes, there are renegades who start out and love the world and go away and never come back. Yes, there are runaways who start out well, very resourceful, but rebelled against something they don't like. But thank God they come back, and that's a good thing. But would to God, we had men, women, boys, and girls who would simply say, the God that saved my ungodly soul guaranteed me a place in heaven. I'm not just going to sing about him on Sunday. And forget about him on Monday. I'm not going to come to the point in my life when this book tells me something I ought to do as his child. I'll find some excuse not to do it because something else is more important and I'm going to run away. And by the way, I'll tell you something about running away. If you run away from the truth, you'll find out eventually it doesn't pay. It doesn't pay. You'll find out. There are a whole lot of people, not just in this church, but around the world, who are regretting the day they ran away from church because they didn't want to follow the Bible. And let me say in closing this. 42 years I've been here at this church. I've seen people come and go. I've seen renegades that gone never come back. I've seen people run away and have come back and are faithfully serving God. But you know what I think about when I'm thinking? All those revivals that I can look back years ago started strong, stayed during all the storms that we've gone through still serving God today because they're steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of God. And though you may not be a renegade, you may not be a runaway, but every man, woman, boy, and girl in here today ought to be begging God every day in this crazy world that we're living in that's drawing people to it every single day. Today is the most worldliest of Christianity I've seen in my life. And I'm going to tell you something. The world is strong. There's a little God of this world. And he's looking for renegades 
and runaways all the time because he knows if he has for the short time. May God help us, no matter how much this world changes. I'm going to start strong, stay during the storms, because I made up my mind I'm steadfast when it comes to Christianity. I'm waiting for Jesus to come back. And I am not going to let the pull of the world, the attacks of the world, the draw of the world, pull me away where I'm going to try to do both. I'm going to put one foot here, church, keep one foot in the world. I'm tell you something. You do it long enough, you'll leave the work. You'll look for something, some other place to fit you rather than lining up with the book. But in every good Bible-believing church, no matter how many renegades there are, no matter how many runaways there are, God and his church will always have reliable men, women, boys and girls who believe my salvation is worth sticking with it. I started strong when I got saved. I'll stay during the storms because I've got a Christianity that's steadfast. My question is in your service, not somebody else. I don't care how much you worship, how much you're witnessing, how much you're working. I'm talking about making sure that the world doesn't have more a pull on me than the Christ that I serve today. If that's the case, you'll leave the work. You'll look for something else. That's just the way it is. May God help us to say, I'm determined. I not, may not be there yet, but I'm determined. The Holy Spirit that put Demas there and the Holy Spirit that put Mark there is the same Holy Spirit that put Luke there. So I want it in my life that I might be the best servant I can be. We talk about this time of service. May God help us to give him what he's due from our lives. Let's bow our heads and pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. How many men, women, boys, and girls can say without hesitation, I at least started where Demas did. I know I'm saved. I became a servant because I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ and I know I'm saved. If that's you today, would you raise your hands real high? You may put them down. Now you heard me describe a runaway. If you're here today, you probably have not run away. It doesn't mean, doesn't mean you don't have the same pool in your life. And I'm not going to ask you a show of hands of how many runaways in here, how many renegades in here, but I'm going to ask how many men, women, boys, and girls will say, Preacher, you hit the nail on the head when you said there's pressures of the world. I face it every day of my life. It could be job. It could be what the devil throws your way. And you say there's a pull on my life, but one thing I'm determined and want to determine I want to be like Luke. 
I want. I started strong serving the Lord. I'll admit. And maybe you work. Maybe you witness. Maybe you do all the things we've talked about. But there's a pull on my life. And I want to be like Luke. I want to be steadfast, unmovable. And I want you to pray in your closing prayer that that's the kind of service I can offer Almighty God. If you are a renegade, if you may be close to a runaway, maybe in your own heart you may say, God, help me. Help me. If those men start out resourceful, can end up rebellious, I could do the same. I'm going to say, preacher, pray for me that I might be a Luke in my service to God. If that's your prayer, would you raise your hand for just a moment? Thank you, you and put your hands down. One last question. Would there be a man, woman, boy, or girl here today to say, Preacher, I can't consider myself to be a servant of Almighty God in His church because I've never given my life to the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know for sure if I die today, I go to heaven, but I know I don't want to go to hell. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed, no one looking around. If that's your prayer today, would you slip your hand up for just a moment? Pray for me, man, woman, boy, or girl. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray. Thank you for listening. Thank you for not, not running out. At least you listened to her. Appreciate that. Let's pray together. Our most gracious and eternal Father, I don't know where I sit if I could say even the church that I love, pastored for all these years, committed to that I don't fear us having renegades and runaways. But I do know this. There are reliable servants in this church and I'm thankful for everyone. And I pray that that might be the heartbeat of every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. We're going to leave here in a few minutes and walk out into a world that cares absolutely nothing about God, about Christianity. And that world has a pull on your service today. Lord, help us. Help us. Help us to be like Luke. Yeah, the storms will come. It's not always easy. It's tough sometimes. The pressures are all around. But you're there. And I pray you'll give us a desire and a heart to love you. I know if we love the world too much, we will forsake Christ. But if we love Christ enough, we will forsake the world. So I pray you'll make it that kind of a commitment as we think about the freedom that we have through Jesus Christ. Thank you for this Memorial Day weekend. I thank you for all the men and women over the years who made the ultimate sacrifice 
for freedom. I pray that you'll make this the time to bless families. Thank you for all the military men and women that we have here at Crossroads Baptist Church and what they do in serving our country today. But thank you how I personally know of those in here who serve you. Now you bless. Give us a good, a good restful time the rest of the day. Help us to pray to focus on the goodness of God. We ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Thank you for listening.